Good morning, church. Welcome to the Vineyard Baton Rouge Online. I'm glad you're here with us. Glad to be worshiping with you just a few days before Christmas. Uh, if you're just checking us out for the first time, I want to introduce myself. I'm Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here, and I'm glad that uh, we get to worship together. So I want to uh, tackle a few things before uh, we, we, we dive in. So if you're on the email chain, you know this. If you're on the text chain, you know this. Or if, or if you follow us on social media. But just in case, I want to make sure everyone is updated on what's going on. We suspended in-person services temporarily. The board met last week and we decided that we're just through with the spike that's going on in Baton Rouge and with um, actually some, we've had uh, some cases in, in our own church, uh, both members and staff. Uh, we want to do our best to keep everyone safe and whole and well. And so we are uh, pausing in-person services uh, for the next six weeks. And, and so next month we're going to reevaluate, see where we are as a city and a community and look at what our reopening uh, plan is going to is going to be when we do reopen we're going to uh, go back to our traditional service we're still going to be you know limited seating uh, uh social distance and masks and and the whole nine but we are going to come back to our traditional service so i did want to let you know what was going on there and so you can look forward you know not too long from now we will be uh praying that we can meet again um second thing uh you you heard me talk about for the last couple of weeks our hands and feet campaign you know, we're, we're in kind of this holiday season. We started on Giving Tuesday, going through Christmas Eve, how we can support our community right now and be the hands and feet of Jesus in a time of deep need. And so we're looking at two key areas. The first being Heritage Ranch, uh, uh, the, the children's home that we have been partnering with for, for so many years. We want to cont continue to support the work that they're doing uh, with children and their families. And um, as, as you can imagine, like everyone else, they've been uh, severely impacted by the events of this year. And so anything we can do to, to do more than our normal support, I think would be great. Uh, secondly, just really want to stock up on our benevolence fund. Our, our benevolence fund is, is available as a fund that's available for, for uh, church members, but also members of the community uh, that come to our church seeking out um, just, uh, you know, some, some help with, with some unexpected needs. You know, sometimes someone can't pay a light bill or just need some gas or just, you know, something just to get you through that next week. We, we want to do our best to support uh, uh, our, our community through that. And so that's what the Benevolence Fund is for. And so I want to encourage you to be prayerful about how you can be a part of the Hands and Feet campaign this year. Um, like I said, it goes to Christmas Eve, so we got a few more days left. And I would also say, as you're being prayed for, it's like it's about what God is leading you to, what you're able to to do and, and not to feel pressured into anything. Um, and then last couple things, you know, we have Christmas Eve. We're, obviously, we're not going to be able to do a Christmas Eve service, but we are doing a virtual one. We're going to have an online service. We're going to have a lot of things that we normally have. We're going to have some singing uh, to, uh, to Jesus. We're going to have a uh, reading for the kids, uh, our, our teaching and, and communion. And so it's going to be great. It's five o'clock uh, PM on Christmas Eve. Uh, bring out your, uh, you know, invite your family and your friends to it, watch together online, um, watch together safely in, in, in your home. And I think it's going to be, uh, be a lot of fun. And then finally, uh, I wanted to remind everyone that we do have a podcast of our weekly messages and there's going to be some new stuff up there starting in 2021. So if you just check uh, your podcast provider, Google Podcasts or, or, or anything else, uh, just look for Vineyard Baton Rouge. You, you should be able to find it. And I just want to let you know that, that we've made that available to you along with all of our other digital media assets. So we're in our fourth week of Advent. And so we started um, 
this, this series, but also this season talking about the gift of risk, how God invites us into risk and the gift that it can be for us. And we're talking about this, this, the gift of risk through the lens of the birth of Jesus. Now, one thing I want to talk about today is that, you know, when we think about risk, we often look at, um, you know, these big life decisions, you know, a, a, a change in job, uh, uh, a change in family situation, moving these kind of larger life situations. And, and that's all true. And, and I want us to think about that. But often there are these smaller risks. There are these things in our day to day that we encounter that God is inviting us to these small things that it may not feel as big, but it still feels risky to us that God wants to lead us into and that this season can teach us how to step into that. And so let's look at Luke 22, 42 to 44. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So as we review the birth of Jesus through the lens of Mary and Joseph these last couple weeks, uh, I want us to also look at kind of the, the birth, how, how the, the decisions that they made, the choices that they made uh, impacted Jesus, right? So as Jesus was born, he, he was born a baby. He was he had to grow up. He was formed into who he became. And so we have to be able to think about like he saw what his parents did. Right. He saw the risks they take. He saw the decisions they made. And that had to have an impact on him and teaching him of what it meant, of what what obedience meant and what it meant to sacrifice and what it meant to take risks. And so my hope is that as we have reviewed the birth of Jesus through the lens of Mary and Joseph, that it will have a similar impact on us. And so if we talk about kind of the, the kingdom story or, or, or even just the Jesus story, you know, we, we look at his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection and his ascension. And all this was leading to the restoration of all of humanity and creation to God. As we look at this, we know that ultimately it was to free us from bondage to experience restoration and reconciliation and hope in our world now and in our future. But in order to do this, in order to make this a possibility, Jesus became human to fulfill God's desire and purpose of humanity. Let's look at Philippians 2. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself human. Rather, he, I'm sorry, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so I want to bring this up because I want us to understand the risk that took place through the birth of Jesus, the, the, the risk of being human. And so through Jesus' birth and life and ministry and all of these things, we see Jesus fulfilling a purpose, but doing so as a human. That is a risky prospect because this plan that they have doesn't work if Jesus falls or if he taps into his God power. You know, at the very beginning of his ministry, 
he's tempted. Right. He he walks out of a time of prayer and, and, and fasting and immediately he is tempted. And that temptation before he even begins is to use his deity, to use the power that he has and to not fulfill his mission as a human. It was risky. So the scripture we saw in, in Luke, uh, Luke 22, this was a, a time when, when Jesus was praying. This was right after the Passover, right before Jesus was arrested. Now, right after that scene, um, Jesus gets arrested and, and Peter grabs his sword and chops off the ear of one of the guards. It's one of my favorite scenes and, and just all of scripture. And Jesus, being Jesus, healed the guard's ear and said, Peter, Stop. If I wanted to right now, I could have an army surround this place at the snap of my fingers and these guards would be nothing. That's not the point. The point is I'm on a path and I have to continue it. And, you know, as as I think about that, I mean, that had to be like a temptation often in this journey that Jesus was on. Right. So this whole time, right, he, he is taking risk by by doing this as a human. But at any point, he could just call it a day. Right. At any point when it got really hard and it got really hard, he could just say, no, I, I, I'm going to snap my fingers and this and this is over. Goodbye, Rome. Goodbye, guards. Goodbye, prison. Goodbye, cross. Goodbye, all of it. But, but he kept going. The risk that God is calling us into is not just starting something, but often it's in continuing what we have started because it can be really easy to stop when it gets really hard. And our only assurance, our only insurance is that he is with us. And so sometimes we're like, so why? Why would I why would I take these risks? Why would I step into these things? Why would I do this? Because we remember. We remember what he's done for us. We remember how he's been there. We remember that at the end of the day, he only has our best interests at heart. And he wants us to be filled with his joy, with his love, with his hope. And so we place our trust in that. And we walk into that. And as it says at the top of this scripture, Not my will, but yours be done. And so that is really stepping on the path of risk ultimately comes down to that. Not my will, not my will, not. So it's one thing to say your will be done, God, right? Like it's it's one thing to say your will be done. It's another thing to say when I say, okay, not only your will be done, but, but, but not my will. It's about not what I want right now, but but what you want, because I know and I have my trust in you. And so in the scripture, in Luke 22, as Jesus, as as we're recounting the story, we know that a a prayer is happening in this scene. Right. And so uh, Jesus is doing what he's done his entire life. He is praying to God and he is praying right now at his most and, and, and just the most anguish. And so when we talk about stepping into risk, 
it becomes possible for us in the areas where we've said no, we've given up as we cultivate our prayer life. And so Jesus was praying in this garden like a garden. That is how we need to cultivate our prayer life. And so some of us really don't have much in the garden right now. Right. And so we actually have to plant some things. We have to start with something. Some you have you have a lot. But just like a garden, you have to prune and you have to remove some things. You have to cultivate the soil. You have to do different things to make sure that it flourishes. It can't just remain stagnant and we can't always just do the same thing over and over again. It all requires maintenance. And so there's a couple things in this prayer that Jesus was praying that I want to highlight for us as we look at what it means to cultivate our own prayer life. In Luke 22, in verse 43, it says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And so it's like this little, this, this little blurb in this, in this whole scene that just really stands out to me because Jesus right now is in a significant amount of pain. He is in so much anguish and there's like argument of like, you know, if, if his sweat was, was uh, dropping lifeblood, if it was actual blood, it could have been actual blood. We, we have actually science that, that shows that if, if you are stressed enough, you can sweat blood. But either way, whether it's, it's a metaphor or it's the real thing, that is how much anguish he was in. He was weak, he was in pain, and here he is being strengthened. Now, it didn't make everything go away, right? It's not like he was strengthened and then, and then the anguish was gone. It's not like he was strengthened and then the pain was gone, but he was strengthened. I remember just in times of, of my own and in, in my own seasons of like extreme pain, right? Whether it was um, physical from, from uh, something that was going on in my body or, or, or emotional you know, I, I, I would pray and, and I had to learn how to pray and, and relief would come. Right. So it would be like, you know, you're in a desert and just like that drop of water. It would come. It wouldn't make it all go away, but it wouldn't make it better and it wouldn't make it bearable. And so sometimes in the trenches of pain or the throes of feeling weak, we forget we are not bound to that state. We can have relief. We can be strengthened. The state of our being is not permanent. We can experience more relief and more hope in that through cultivating our prayer life. And it doesn't mean that everything goes away. It just means that we can continue to push through. In verse 46, which we didn't look at, Jesus comes back to, to some of the disciples and he says, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So we're, we're still in the same scene right here, right? And so Jesus is praying. He gets up. He goes back to where the disciples, they weren't that far away. And he says, pray so they will not fall into, into temptation. And so it, it kind of begs the question, what could that temptation be? Now, he could just be recounting the Lord's prayer, right, that he taught them uh, uh, a little while earlier. Or it could be the temptation that we see that comes later, right? Not too long after this, and the scene right after this, Peter is faced with affirming that he followed Jesus or not, and he denied Jesus. Maybe that was the temptation that Jesus was talking about as he was encouraging Peter to pray. We've all said no 
when Jesus was looking for a yes at some point, right? To something. We've all started something, and on the road we were on, it was too hard, and so we gave into temptation and left. And, and, and to remind you, we're not just talking about the big things, but often the small things, right? A conversation here, uh, an opportunity to, to, to minister or reconcile o- o- over there. We, we've all had those times when we could have said yes and we said no. And so the importance is that this does not lead us to shame, right? That, that, that's not the point of bringing all this up. Peter was restored. That wasn't, his denial was not the end of the story. And at the end of the day, he ended up risking his entire life for Christ. The point of all of this is that the life of prayer will keep us and motivate us and protect us in our temptations. When we're looking to step off the path, when we're looking to say no, when we're looking to throw in the towel, when, when we cultivate this prayer life, it will, it will push us through. You know, after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches them this about uh, another thing about prayer. He, uh, he, he, he tells them this story. He said, a friend comes over and, and so... You, you, you have a friend coming over to visit who's been on the road traveling. And so you go to your neighbor and you're like, hey, I need I need some bread. Uh, I have a friend coming over and I have nothing for them. Your neighbor's like, listen, me and the family are in bed. I have nothing for you. Go away. But you just keep knocking and you keep asking. And then Jesus says, because of your shameless persistence, your neighbor will give you what you need. It's, a, it's another one of my favorite scriptures. Because you will keep knocking, because you will keep asking shamelessly, because of your audacity to just keep asking, God will provide the spirit for you. And right now, today, this is where I find myself as I cultivate, as I continue to cultivate my life of prayer, as I'm seeking God for, for different spiritual and, and, and emotional things, I keep asking I ask and I keep asking and I ask again and I keep asking. And it's, 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 a, it's a different place it is for me now than, than, than the first time that, that, that I went through um, understanding this type of prayer. But, but what it means for God to provide the spirit for you in your own situation as you just continue to ask and you continue to seek and you continue to knock. And it's through this prayer. It is through that, this, this cultivation that, that transformation begins to happen so that we can actually say, not my will, but yours be done. Because that doesn't just happen automatically. It can in some things, but in other things it doesn't. And so for that transformation to take place, this ongoing transformation, it will happen. And so what in your prayer life needs to be pruned? What part needs more attention? Whatever your definition of prayer is, I guarantee it's more than that. That that the actual definition is larger than that. As we look at how we relate and connect with God, seek him out in ways that you need right now. Sometimes, y'all, sometimes we should actually go back to something old, something we've done years ago that we haven't done in a while. We can, we can go back to something we've done before that we feel like we've graduated from, but sometimes going back to that old thing, we find new life and new depth that we just, just didn't see before. Sometimes we have to try something new. 
Sometimes we're like, okay, right now I'm stagnant. And let's just be honest about that. If, if you're stagnant and nothing is happening or, or it's feeling more uh, like you're reciting something or doing something out of habit and not actually experiencing the life of God, then it's time to try something new. That's okay. And if you don't know what that is, email me. Got a lot of resources for you to get started in different types of prayer that help you connect with God. All right, let's look at a couple practical tips as we close. Sometimes, as I said at the top, when we think about risk, we think about those big life moments, right? But I want you to reflect on some of the smaller risky moments, risky opportunities in your day to day that God has invited you into. When have you said yes? When have you said no? When have you started and stopped? And so as you reflect on that, begin to look at what caused you to stop, what caused you to say no. Sometimes he starts with the little things, right? The, the smaller risky opportunities to see how we will do. And then he goes to the, to the bigger things. It gives us time to practice. It gives us time to develop trust. And through this cultivation and through this transformation, it gives us the character we need to say yes to the bigger things. Number two. I encourage you to examine your prayer life this week as you prepare for Christmas. Does something need to be added or removed? What needs to change? Do you need to try something new? Have conversations with God doing your Christmas preparations. So uh, right now, I, uh, we're going to enter into communion. Kim is going to lead us into communion this morning. And uh, I hope that I see you for Christmas Eve. If, I hope that we uh, were worshiping together for Christmas Eve. Otherwise, uh, Merry Christmas, and we'll see you soon. Here's Kim. <laughs>